Hello and welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Wael Hattar. And today's episode I have with me Joy Mardini, the director and owner of Joy Mardini Design Gallery, as well as the director of House of Today, Jesse Bustros. Hello. Hi. Hi, Wael. So to start off with everybody, today's episode we're going to be discussing design and Lebanon or design in Lebanon or the whole idea of, of design in the Middle East, but really, as we've seen in the past few years, thriving and developing and, and really being uh, pulled forward by uh, the Lebanese market. And with us, we have two ends of, 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 of the spectrum, I guess, with Joy Mardini and, and her commercial gallery working with different designers and pushing them forward, while House of Today is a nonprofit and they work on education and really uh, pushing design and thought forward. So let's start off with, uh, with Jesse, who can really explain to us what a, uh, a non-profit institution like House of Today works, how it started, and how it fits into design before we, we go into the details of, of the field as well as get the, as- get the commercial aspect from, from Joy. So House of Today, as you mentioned it, is a non-profit organization and it's uh, Beirut-based. Um, and our mission is to promote and empower Lebanese product designers. So to ultimately um, uh, empower the entire design scene in Lebanon and make uh, Lebanon um, a regional or even an international hub of design. Uh, House of Today was founded by Shirin Maghrabi Tayyib uh, back in 2012. And we, as you mentioned it, we, we, we felt that uh, in order for us to, to, to empower that industry that, uh, and those talented designers that we have in Lebanon, um, a nonprofit needed to be created, and uh, uh, we tried to introduce them to different ex- design experts, whether galleries, whether international markets, whether uh, uh, clients, patrons, collectors, and also, uh, and this is also one of the basic uh, or the most important factor and uh, uh, focus of House of Today is education. So we identify talents since they are in college um, and they apply for a scholarship. We have a qualifying committee that selects from uh, from a lot of uh, applicants and we, we choose the, the most uh, talented one or and the, the ones that have um, financial constraints. So by, promo- by offering those scholarships, uh, scholarship to students that want to pursue design studies in Lebanon or abroad, we are um, nurturing them from the very beginning and hoping uh, that they will grow to become the best uh, version of uh, designers, that, oh, not version, but uh, uh, g- talented designers. Uh, there's a lot of things I, c- I can say about that, but that's, um, that's, that's in a nutshell what House of Today stands for. No, thank you. I will and definitely get into it as, as we further discuss education and, at, and, its, uh, and its place in, in, in the system here. So, Joy, tell us a little bit about your gallery when it started. Because I know you were also into arts gallery as well, and then you moved to design. Give us a little background on, on, on that, and then we can start talking about the, the greater Lebanon. Um, okay, so as you mentioned, um, I have a history behind the, the gallery, and it all started basically in... Uh, uh, 2011, when I opened the gallery, and uh, I was uh, through my studies, I specialized in art, and um, basically I, I thought there was an opportunity, and the, oh, the gallery opened in no- November 2011, 
And uh, through the gallery, I, I was exhibiting art and design because I thought there was, uh, a, I would say, um, a train to catch. And that was the time for me to do it. Uh, there was something going on around design that was very, 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 very young. It was only a few designers that were known on the market, not even internationally. And that was in 2011. And uh, through my friendship with Mark Barud and Mark Dibé, we decided to collaborate. They collaborated together around a series called Wires. They exhibited the series at the gallery. And at the same time, I was still exhibiting art. So what happened is that basically um, I looked at the market and I thought, okay, there's a momentum to catch in design. And there's something going on around art that was um, too many actors on, a, on such a small uh, uh, scene. And the question was, did I really want to be one of the many actors in the art scene? And, or would, it I tr would I try to become one of the main actors in the design scene? So I had to choose. And also I had to basically satisfy the audience's need to label my structure as something very specific. You, in the eyes of the audience, you can't be art and design. It's unfortunate because a lot of structure internationally do it. Yep. PAD is one of the structures that does pavillon d'art et design. You exhibit art and design next to each other, and at the end of the day, this is how it works mm -hmm. in houses. But basically... In the eyes of the audience here, I had to be one of them, and I had to choose, and because of the momentum and my belief in the design scene, that was such a young and thriving scene, I chose design. And it all started with a series wires that exhibited in uh, December 2012, if I'm not mistaken. And this got us um, selected, and um, not selected, but I would say, the committee of Design Days Dubai at the day at the time and Design Miami, my, uh, um, how can I say, realized that there was something going on in the Middle East or in Beirut specifically, and they contacted us and suggested that we be part of Design Days Dubai 2013, so a few months later, and eventually Design Miami 2013. So this is how it all started through Mark Baroud and Mark Dibé for the design scene to go as international as this, I mean, is uh, in terms of um, being part of the biggest international events and uh, fairs of the world. This is how it all started. It's actually funny that you mentioned Mark Barut because that's the, the my fr I got. I only have a few design pieces, and the first two big ones I got were from Mark Barut's uh, leather series. So one was a, a chaise long, if I'm saying it correctly, and one was a bench. Tessera series. Yeah, and then it was wonderful. So a quick little sub-note. Uh, you mentioned, I'm, I'm, in the beginning I mentioned kind of design and Lebanon and in Lebanon, and then a lot of you guys, and it's natural to go into Beirut. Is it fair to, to say Beirut rather than Lebanon? Is, is there anything happening around the rest? And I know for Jesse, you guys, education is coming from everywhere, and designers are from everywhere. But as, as a certain market, is anything from you interacting? Like, because we know there's, for people who are not aware of Lebanon, Beirut is kind of the main hub city, but you still have districts uh, in the north and in, in the south that are smaller, but still active somewhat. But do, and does anything come out of there? I mean, uh, in my opinion, I don't know if you agree, Jesse, but uh, I, there are things happening around the city. Definitely Beirut is the main hub. Uh, but, I mean, there are things happening. So, basically, I would, uh, to give an example, I would mention one part of the design process, which would be production, for instance. Production happens all around Lebanon, okay. but literally all around Lebanon, from Tripoli to Burj Hamoud, outskirts of Beirut, to Hazmi, Yemkelis, outskirts of Beirut, a bit larger, to the south. I mean, 
in terms of production, we really do cover the land of Lebanon. But in terms of designers, um, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, because of the fact that in Lebanon, the universities that teach design are in the center, I mean, in Beirut, mainly, my designers at the gallery that collaborate with us, the ones that are from Lebanon, educationally speaking, all come from Beirut. We're seeing a, uh, we, we, we are seeing a start of shift uh, around that. Uh, it's true that at the beginning it's, it was much more Beirut-based, mm -hmm. but for instance, uh, in our up upcoming Biennale planned in December, we have designer from outside of Beirut. Uh, and that you would, um, uh, you, you start seeing that it's growing much more, and that's the whole obje objective, where uh, they're being empowered. And unfortunately, um, like, Joy said, most of the schools are in Beirut, but we don't have design-focused uh, school other than Alba and um, in Lebanon. So there is, uh, we are in talks, talk with AUB now. They're planning to open maybe um, uh, a degree for a product, product design. So most of those designers come from a background of architecture, interior uh, architects, and you can find them outside of Beirut as well. Actually, it's, it's interesting that you mention kind of the, the, the wider array. Uh, for someone, when, when they hear design, they automatically think kind of either furniture or fashion or kind of the, the graphic visual element. So for you guys, what's that larger umbrella that fits? What is quote-unquote design? Well, design is, is quite broad. Uh, now, if I want to speak about House of Today, we're quite focused. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we hope that one day we can go broader, but I think it's important for us to stay focused in order to give the best and provide the best uh, and then slowly grow. So um, House of Today really focuses on furniture design, on functional design. Uh, we have conceptual artistic pieces, but they somehow fall under... Uh, product design in the sense of furniture. That's for, that's the, in a way, the positioning of House of Today because we do this Biennale every two years. So this Biennale is, uh, is our, in a way, our revenue generator. So we, it's true that we, we as a nonprofit, we function with donations, a few donations, but we try to be self-sustainable. And our model is to be able to sell and empower those, those designers, introduce them to, mark, to an international market to, to, to customers. So the designer will benefit from that exposure, but at the same time, it generates an income. And what we are putting out there uh, as, as limited edition pieces are furniture design mostly. And before we get to, to Joy's answer, uh, just because we're on the topic, for you, when people apply to this biennial, is it different to the ones uh, who are applying for the education, correct? Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, so basically every two years we have the RBNL, and every year we have our scholarship program open call. Uh, for RBNL, we, have, we do an open call. So there is, um, in a way, in a competition. But at the same time, we, throughout the year, we always are... Uh, uh, we're looking uh, for talent. So we have the designer that we approach, but we also have the ones that apply. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we get their portfolios and their um, uh, application form, we meet with the qualifying committee and we select 
the designers. Then we give them the theme of our Biennale because our Biennale is based on a theme and they conceptualize a piece. And then with us together, we, we're in the, that phase today, we meet on a weekly basis to finalize the piece and then we, f we produce it and we, uh, and we uh, showcase it. So uh, to answer your question, definitely uh, there's, a qu uh, there's an open call, but there are different applicants. Uh, so you have the designers that are in the Biennale, and then the year, uh, every year we do an open call the same, th uh, the same way where we uh, invite uh, students to apply for scholarship. For the first time this year, two of our uh, students that were awarded uh, the scholarship program are going to be participating at our Biennale because they've graduated, and uh, one is from RISD, another is from ALBA, uh, they're going to be part of the designers that will be showcasing their work in the Biennale. So in a way, it finds itself after. Uh, uh, we're hoping that every student that we, we've supported will be able to uh, be part of our Biennale one day. And this, this Biennale happens in Beirut, correct? Yes, uh, it happens in Beirut. Uh, and based on the success of this Biennale, we hope to travel the year after. So, for instance, the first time we, we showcase our work was in uh, uh, DDD as well. Uh, Sorry, DDD is? Design Days Dubai. Uh, and then past December, we were in Design Miami. Uh, we have uh, some uh, also, we definitely collaborate with galleries, but I'm talking about fairs or exhibition. Um, it's, the Biennale is based in Beirut, and then we, depending on the success, we travel. And, and the people who are applying are Lebanese designers. That's the only one who can apply. We, because it's, uh, it's uh, our objective is to put Lebanon uh, out there, uh, we, we have approximately 30 designers uh, that are Lebanese, but in each of our biennale, we invite international uh, designers, two to three international designers. Um, we believe that by having those international designers alongside the Lebanese, it challenges everybody and it uh, elevates it all. And this year, uh, I cannot reveal it yet, but those three international designers are quite prominent and they are pairing with Lebanese designer to create a piece together. So uh, this year, there's a new layer in our Biennale and it's going to be quite... Uh, and when is the show this year? It's going to... Uh, take place uh, in Beirut in December um, as of the lecture part will start on December 12th, the exhibition on December uh, f uh, 14, and it will last till the end of the month. And people can get more information online when they go to houseoftoday.com. Yes, and on Instagram, uh, so whether it's our website or Instagram or Facebook, I think it's, uh, everything will be there. Well, sorry for the little detour. We'll go back to the original question, which was, uh, which was what is design? And uh, I know for a gallery, uh, you have to have things that kind of sell. Uh, so it should be functional mostly. But, of course, a lot of it kind of has that gray area of is it art, is it installation, is it a hanging piece, is it a wall piece, what is it? So what is it for you? I mean, to answer the first part of the question that you mentioned earlier in Lebanon, and this is one of the specificities of our country in terms of design production, we are one of the, if I, I would say the, but let's put it one of the most important production scene in terms, of, in terms of fashion design, graphic design, product design, jewelry design, 
to name a few. I mean, I'm saying this because it's important to understand that, okay, my job and Jesse's job is product design. We do this for a living. But uh, in our country, we are very, very, very active in terms of design in, the very, in a very, very large sense because, uh, in, for instance, for graphic design, the educational programs that revolve around graphic design are very strong in the country. I graduated. Ah, yeah, w did you? Okay. Uh, in terms of the difference with product design, as Jesse was saying, is that we do have a lot of interior design and architecture graduates every year, but in terms of product design, it's mainly Alba, Alba as uh, Jesse was saying. Uh, I'm very happy that AUB is considering. That's a, such a great initiative, by the way. Um, and in terms of uh, fashion design, too, I mean, the, one of the, big, the biggest names internationally yeah, right speaking, now. yeah, exactly, are Lebanese. We're not going to go into details into this. <laughs> That's another podcast, I guess. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, it was important for me to mention that. But going back to product design, every gallery and every, um, I would say, every institution, quote unquote, has its own identity. And I think it's very important for the institution, commercial or uncommercial, to stick by this identity. In my case, and it's not the case everywhere and in every gallery, one of the main, I would say, direction or point that I impose on the designer is that whatever is exhibited at the gallery can be used. A chair is a chair. You can sit on it. A table is a table. You can use it as a table. There is no conceptual table floating. <laughs> this doesn't, exi it doesn't exist at, in my gallery. Okay? This is, how, this is how I see things and I understand it. And, it's, and I think the audience now gets it. When mm. you come to the gallery and you want to buy, I don't know, a, a glass from Alia Tonus is going to be a glass that looks like a glass and that you can use as a glass per se. So to answer your question, the identity of the gallery is essentially functional. That's uh, as, as short and as condensed <laughs> as I can put it. But there is recently a, a huge trend into this kind of art design where, at least for me, I kinda, if I see some like floaty little object and the person is making it, but they don't want to say it's art, I don't know why, but they want to say it's design, but then you look at it, it's, it's functionless. And as an educated designer, everything is commercial art in a sense. So w Why? Do any of you understand why? Why, why what? Exactly. Why, is this, why is this such a great area? Why can't they say it's art? Why do they say it's design? Why do some people push it to design? Because what is that line? A field that's called design art. It's a field that exists. Sorry, Jesse. It's a field that exists in the market that's called design art. And, and when it's tangible... People tend to say it's an object, it's a design piece. Yeah, when it's, when 3D, it's when it exists per, per se, yeah. 3D, when it's not flat on a wall or floating, it's, <laughs> it's a product. Yeah, but then it's sculpture. Yeah, so that's why it's a bit, uh, a sculpture and conceptual design and are a bit in the same area. Uh, but, uh, I tend to no, disagree. But, uh, but sorry, to give an example, a specific example, I think sometimes ceramics flirts with design okay, art. Okay, to, to give an example, you can ask a ceramist to do a bowl, which is the most functional object yeah. in the world and the most ancient object in the world. But you can ask the same ceramist, <laughs> no, but uh, honestly yes, speaking, yes. but you can, you can ask the same ceramist to do a, a partition with ceramics elements. So it really, it, 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 this is a material that you can push 
so far into the use of them. You can do a stool with it. You can do whatever you want. So this is where the, the uh, you can do a sculpture and you can do. So basically, this is where I think the thin line between art and design is a bit, it's gray. And I like the, f I personally, I like this gray line with ceramics. I wouldn't like this gray line with a, to material Ooh, and yeah yeah but uh, it is a gray area we are not being able to articulate ourselves because of that no, yeah. uh, but uh, well the designer is or the artist is free to create whatever he wishes <laughs> to create and name it as he, or as she. he wants or she <laughs> the artist but as, as Joy said it depends on the gallery's identity yeah. or the organization's philosophy to follow or or promote that kind of designers. It's interesting you guys mentioned ceramics because the first time I, I heard of House of Today and was introduced to it was through a, a ceramist friend of mine, Zena? Zena Bahasan, yes. And, <laughs> and, and she, uh, she had created these kind of vase-like creature plant things. And I recently showed, I saw her work, the one she had ex uh, work exhibited with uh, Marianne Sarji at Beirut Design Week, which was a development of that. But then those little long tube things that uh, you guys had worked on, then she developed. No, those are not with House of Today, actually. But uh, Zena has, um, uh, we, we, we were introduced to Zena back in 2016. And uh, we, she collaborated with us through our shop, our exhibition Biennale shop. And our exhibition Biennale shop is in collaboration with the wallpaper store. So we give the opportunity to designer to create small pieces, affordable objects that will be instantly on the online platform of the wallpaper store. And uh, Zena did those um, uh, vases or more uh, wine bottles mm. uh, for us. And then we kept on, uh, we didn't cut, um, we didn't break contact, uh, Zena and I, and uh, she calls me once and she tells me that she has a new collection. And those are, I think, the ones you are referring to. They're gorgeous. She did them with Marie, and she did the mushrooms with, Marianne did the mushroom, yes. and she did those long, beautiful sculptural uh, uh, pieces. Are they functional? Uh, well, it's very the the, uh, the okay. Functional is also <laughs> quite uh, subjective. So some people might decide to put them as a centerpiece on okay. their table, so they become actually okay. functional. So decorative on the table, but. Um, Decorative versus functional. Well, I'm only bringing what you said earlier. Yes, decorative can have a purpose. Okay. When you want to have dinner and host a dinner and you want to, uh, I don't know, uh, display things on table, they become actually, uh, they have a purpose. So okay. when they have a purpose, they're functional. So then uh, for the house of today, the, at least the online thing. We didn't promote those, so th those okay. were not on their house of today. Okay. Ah, so it was like a support thing to house today, getting younger designers and. We, well, continuously, other than our biennale and our scholarship, we uh, provide consultation mm -hmm. to designers, so they can call us, get our opinion with things. Uh, if they need help to being uh, being introduced somewhere, we try to facilitate that for them. And uh, in the case of Zena or others. Um, we felt that her work was very uh, nice and it has had great potential. We tried to introduce uh, introduce her to key to shops and galleries so that they can promote their work and 
Um, so that's part of what we do as well. And then the connection with wallpaper is that a specific connection to yeah wallpaper. So is that a specific uh, connection that you guys have with them, or do they open it to everybody else? No, we. I think a wallpaper store does it worldwide, but in Lebanon we got the mm. collaboration with them um, because going back to our biennale, our biennale is made of two sections. Now three with the lecture part, but commercially with two sections. The section of limited edition pieces that are uh, big pieces, big and not necessarily big actually, limited edition pieces uh, that are um, uh, in a way collectible or uh, high-end products. And then we have our shop, our boutique, where it's spontaneous purchases, uh, very affordable pieces. And uh, the first part is upon order. The second is uh, purchase on the spot. So uh, we did it back in 2014, but it wasn't in collaboration with the wallpaper store. As of six, 2016, we decided that, and we got that opportunity with the wallpaper store, which was fantastic, and it's great for the designer, especially in Lebanon. Uh, I don't know if we have time to open, to branch out into that topic, but... Uh, in Beirut, and Joy, correct me if I'm wrong, um, we have very strong craftsmanship, but we don't have a strong production en série, uh, production de masse, mass production. Uh, and we're not competitive compared yeah. to the international market. So what we do through Wallpaper Store and through our Biennale, we give the opportunity to the, those designers to create pieces without going to the hassle of cost, shipping, uh, where they won't be competitive, so we, we facilitate all of that uh, for them, but they are allowed to create things that they want to really uh, put out there in the market. So they do that, and uh, we, um, Wallpaper Store gets those pieces and sell them on their platform, and we also sell them um, uh, during our Biennale. Even though commercially, if we d weren't here, it wouldn't have made sense for them. Uh, because the margin would be either very low or not respected. But in terms of visibility uh, and positioning, they are able to be there. And maybe ultimately the, uh, the production uh, uh, situation or conjuncture in Lebanon, I'm sorry, mix, I'm mixing words, will get empowered. And, uh, and we're seeing now a shift in craftsmanship. They're improving. A few years back, we, we had to produce abroad. Now we're producing much more in Beirut, in Lebanon, not Beirut. So, so that's for the wallpaper store. And uh, actually, and, and now that the point that you mentioned about the, the, the craftsmanship, uh, because earlier on we were talking about the rest of Lebanon, and, and for me there's, there's one thing that we have here uh, in, in Lebanon, at least in the Middle East, more than the Gulf and North, and North, North Africa is different, but a, a, lot, a lot stronger is the artisanal aspect. A lot of the work in, in wood and, and ceramics and soap and God knows all these kind of wider array of functional and non-functional design, but really an understanding of material and aesthetic. And, and from what I understood is production and development was, was weak. Has... It's not a matter of being weak, but they were not used to... Uh, basically, there's a huge difference between producing a wood panel for an interior and producing a cigar box for a designer, to put it simply. There's a scale is different, margin is different, 
the thought of how to use the material is different. Basically, in terms of the difference between a wood paneling for an entrance for a building or a cigar box is that you need to think of what's the best way, effective production and cost uh, effective, to use the material, make it look pristine pretty, perfect, and have it uh, uh, produced uh, within, um, how can I say, but within a price that is uh, manageable for the gallery or the institution or the designer to sell at a normal uh, bearable price, if I may and say. very little uh, waste, uh, minimal, exactly. minimal waste. Exactly. The more the waste, the higher the price. So this is how it goes. Yeah. So yeah, there's, so basically back in the days, we do have a lot, I would say a lot, three or four main institution production hubs or points that have been here for I would say much longer than we as institutions and galleries have been around, uh, that are spread all around the country, which this is one nice thing. You go to Tripoli, you go to Beirut, Bashamoud, uh, Carantina, they're all over. And these production hubs or points uh, have been working on the wider idea of production for tens of years, for 50 or 60 years. And when we as uh, designers, not we, myself, yes. but when the designers came on the market and started asking for, uh, to these institutions to produce smaller scales objects, it all started with, okay, we're gonna do it, but we can't guarantee quality uh -huh. because basically it's a lot of time to produce, going back to the cigar box, a cigar box and a lot of details where the wood paneling, we do it in a split of a second because we do this on a daily basis. So basically there's a matter of scaling, matter of uh, pricing, a matter of waste that you need to manage. So the production houses learned, learned. with the designer on the same curve okay. how to maximize production. The result of which, but we are not there yet, mm. This is one of the reasons uh, uh, Jesse was mentioning earlier, that we were not able yet to go into mass production. In, basically, in order to go into mass production, you need uh, your um, uh, factory to be focusing on this mass production. You need to, to have engineers that think with the designer what is the, the most effective and cost-cutting way of producing this object in order for it to be sellable at a, 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 a logical yeah. cost, exactly, or price point, exactly. And for them to do a margin, the designer to do a margin, and eventually the institution or the gallery to do a margin. So it, now we are not there yet, but we are on the learning curve, higher in the curve of learning how to, uh, uh, to price and to produce. There's a big difference between producing an object that's one on, I would say, an edition of 12 for a gallery or an institution and producing a uh, hundred for wallpaper or other uh, online platforms. It's very different. First of all, you sell it with different words. In a gallery, when you sell an object that's a limited edition of 12, there's something behind it. You have 12 on the market. The day the 12 are gone, this is it. There is no more to sell. So that's one. Two, uh, selling an edition of 12 or a limited edition justifies, can justify up to a certain point, a, a cost at the gallery, a price at the gallery. And selling an edition of 12, you have two ways of doing it in terms of production. Either you produce all 12 and you, cost, you cut your cost of production or 
and it depends on your financial possibilities. You can't produce all 12, then you go one by one. And if you go one by one, your production costs are going to be much higher than if you produce all 12. So if you want to sell, let's say, a table at $1,000, I'm, I'm going very basic with numbers. If you want to sell at $1,000 a table, if it costs you $600 to do, man, what is this? We're making less money than we're putting into the uh, investing in it. But if you're able to produce all 12 and the production goes down to 200, then this goes, this is, this is, and this, where, how can you argue with the production uh, house? It's the, um, the waste management of the material. This is how they make their money. They lose less money and we, uh, we inject less uh, cash. So. Yeah, this is the main problem that I had when I spoke to institutions and, and designers in, in the Emirates when Design Days was on and how even with Tashkil, they all support designers, but there is no infrastructure for, for the designers in the Emirates to be able to develop uh, even mid-level, let alone larger mass. But going back to the artisanal question, do, do you think the this rebirth of, of the design industry or the re-push of the design industry in Lebanon helped revitalize the artisanal practice, the, the people who do the marble, the people who work in the wood, the people who have forgotten, or is it just one or two that are there? But is it sustainable for them? We, we had a talk last year with one of the key players in production, and he has an atelier with a lot of craftsmen. And he was saying that uh, it's, a very, it's very tough to uh, maintain those artisans. Uh, so if you see today, the artisans are quite old, uh, they are expert in their fields, and they are trying, because they have good income, to uh, transmit or transfer this knowledge to their children. But the children today don't want that kind of uh, learning and labor. labor. Uh, so there is resistance. We're hoping that by empowering this entire industry, the resistance will become less and there and and the the the, the 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 supply will increase as well. So uh, there's definitely a shift uh, in the past three years, and more production um, uh, players, actors, but we're not there yet. Um, uh, we've been known with our artisanal uh, work in Lebanon. You have those uh, les artisanat libanais. Um, um, uh, I'm talking about not necessarily a specific artisanal old stuff, yeah. but the general bigger ones, even when we talk about marble producers. Yeah, and no, yeah, there's, sorry, Jesse, I want to add something to what she was saying. I completely agree with what she was saying, but there's one thing that is, um, I wouldn't say annoying, but um, I would say blocking us from developing m more smoothly. Um, our, I, I've witnessed that the artisans that we deal with are very it's like a doctor you are you have a specialty yes. they have a specialty so we have a mother of pearl artisan a marquetry artisan a so basically when you go to a production house in order to do an object that has many materials, many materials in it exactly you need to go to seven different artisans so at the end of the day the production house if they want to call themselves production houses, they have to have in their database or in-house, which is worse for them, the seven artisans that we're talking about. So in order to create an object that has the seven different materials, you have seven different artisans that will do seven, seven times their margin, all of them, which is normal at the end of the day. You work for, this is what they work for. And, and plus the production house has to do their margin on their back. And we and the designer obviously are not gonna work for free. So, 
I mean, yeah. it, there's, a, there's an accumulation of layers in the production process that makes us rethink sometimes the purpose and because we are, I, I speak for both of us, but we believe in the production scene in Lebanon. And I would love to be able to produce 100% of the objects of the gallery from A to Z in Lebanon without even looking at the prices. This would be my dream ever, ever. But sometimes you are like, man, what the hell? What is this? Why are you going? Why are you pricing it so high? And then I believe in the transparency and the honesty of the, of the production house. So I go and I ask, what, where is the money be going? And they, and they tell me seven different materials, seven different uh, uh, artisans on the, on the object. So seven different margins plus ours plus yours. This is it. Yeah. So basically there is, you have different structures that have tried to regroup mm. the artisans, maybe not in-house, but in their database. You know, uh, phone numbers, you call the guy that does Mother of Pearl, you bring him in, you ask him to work punctually for an object. For the production house, it's great because they don't have salaries to pay. But for us, as consumers, of uh, the, the price has to be paid uh, anyway at the end of the day. So, And, and, um, and this actually might, will lead us to the educational question, is that do, do the designers you work with or the designers that you kind of uh, support financially do they understand how to produce things themselves? <laughs> Be yeah, because I know, I remember when we went to design school, this is BC, before computers in the 90s, and we had to go to a print house for our first training. And I had to know how to print a newspaper myself, how to do an etching on a block, then so I can art direct or whatever it is later on. So do these designers know what, how to work with material? I'm going to answer you very briefly, and I, f I hope I'll be straight to the point. Um, there are many things, th there are many layers to define good design and good designers. But one of the most important thing is the process. So if a designer is involved in the process and uh, doesn't force the process and the process comes quite, fits naturally and he doesn't just give his brief to someone and then disappears and then it comes back okay. finished. So the more he's, involved in the process, the more uh, the process is, smoother, is smooth and natural, the, it will reflect in the end result as a designer and as a piece. On my end, I quite agree with her, but I, I would say that the old school designers know more <laughs> about their process than the younger designers. Not all of them, not all of them, but I mean, this is a bit, uh, uh, I would say, uh, uh, yeah, it's a parti pris, like you say in, uh, in French. I mean, it's, a, it's an opinion that's very... Uh, but I have witnessed that designers now oblige themselves to go through the process with the production house, which is great for us, it's great, in order for them to understand the reasons why eventually an object works or not. So we are witnessing that two things, to go back to summarize, production houses and production, uh, and, and production processes are going better and designers are understanding better the production process itself. So the result is we are more and more getting to better thought yeah. objects. And that's why this mar the market is growing and you have much more 
designers and the the good ones will shine and they will stand out and yeah. good process will be uh, reflected in the work. But but do you know you have a uh, what you've told me with with RISD and and Alba in Lebanon, uh, your 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 funding goes on to different kinds of universities all around the world. When do. We for a scholarship uh, for undergrad and graduate students. The undergrad is um, is only at Alba. Uh, so far, we were we were able to uh, offer scholarship for a value of approximately one fifty thousand dollars, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. We've been um, we have supported a student at RISD, at uh, in uh, in uh, USA at uh, Saint Martin's. Um, Elisava in Barcelona, uh, Eindhoven in Netherlands, um, La Cambre in Belgium, um, Alba, of course. Um, so, and I'm very happy to uh, to announce uh, this year's uh, awarded student. We we are. We have selected. We usually aim to support two to three students, and this year we have supported. Three full, uh, three award, three students with a full scholarship and one with a partial scholarship. So in total, four students this year. Um, we got uh, a lot of applicants, much more. Every year they, it increases and the caliber uh, improves as well. Uh, and those four students were, whether they have taught, moved us, whether uh, in their stories or their portfolio or their process uh, and their talent, creativity, and we couldn't just, uh, um, we couldn't not be sensitive uh, towards them in the sense of uh, supporting them because they have a huge potential. So we have uh, Rachel Antoun, uh, from, uh, that, who's going to uh, study master's at Elisava in Barcelona. We have Rawad Ba'alini, who, um, who's at Eidhoven. He's finishing his master. We, we supported him also last year, so now he's finishing his... Uh, he, he's supposed to graduate uh, this year. And we have Ayas Kandarani, who's going to pursue her studies at La Cambre in Belgium and a continuous uh, support with a um, partial scholarship to Micheline Nahra, who's uh, studying at Eindhoven also in the uh, Netherlands. And then when they're done, do they, do, do they offer you like a pint of blood? What do you need from well, them? We, we <laughs> we, the, the conversation is always open between us. So they send us updates. They give us uh, their, up, uh, they share with us their um, graduate, uh, graduation uh, um, projects. Uh, we see their grades. Uh, last week, I've met with the two of them that came for, for summer, and we just had a conversation. So uh, the dialogue is open. If they need us, we try to be there for them. And ultimately, we're hoping that when they're ready, we can launch them okay. through our Biennale. And that's what I said with the two, two of our awarded students will be participating in our upcoming Biennale in December. For the, for the Alba one, which is the undergrad, uh, do any of them come, uh, the students, come from this production background, this understanding of materials? Or do you know if the university, at least locally, push that knowledge? Do you have any information? Well, m a lot of the, the, the students that have applied for a scholarship uh, for a graduate program abroad come from ALBA. Yeah. Uh, I think as an undergrad, they're not there yet in the production process in Lebanon. But I'm sure ALBA 
is um, is looking into improving that, uh, but I won't be able to answer you further. Yeah. And just to, to add on this one, uh, in, you were saying in Lebanon there's only Alba, which is a f French-based university that is kind of arts, artsy more or less, which goes into architecture and, and film and design, and most of our filmmakers are from there. But if, if it's just one school, why do we have so many, so many designers coming up? <laughs> Uh, if they don't even know production or artisanal background or anything. Uh, so many school in Lebanon, schools in Lebanon, uh, although it's not a full degree, they have courses of design. Uh, and as I told you before, interior architects, architect, uh, because of the nature of their work and when they have a client that are commissioning, uh, they have a project for a client, they usually pr uh, uh, go into design and design a piece that they include in their proposal. Uh, now, why is there so many, uh, so much growth around design? I think there's so there's a lot of reason. Uh, I would like to think that House of Today and some other um, uh, gallerists and design experts in Beirut have played their role uh, and have made uh, uh, have influenced the, the scene. Uh, I think we also have the talent and this this. Uh, uh, sensitivity to, to, to design, to aesthetics, uh, f uh, functionality, thought process. Um, also, uh, there is a shift towards, in it. I, I don't know if I can claim, uh, we can claim that, but people would want to invest less in abstract art mm -hmm. and more into functional art. And this is where how design, in a way, came uh, forward. So instead of buying something that I will not be able to use and pay that amount of money, I prefer to buy a piece that can be functional and serve a purpose. And at the same time, I feel there, I feel a certain pride uh, of owning something Lebanese, and uh, and it becomes addictive. I, I I'm speaking uh, for myself. When you get something from one de Lebanese designer and a second, you want to continue the. Patronage in the end, and, and 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 exactly, it's patronage, and it and uh, well, c'est patriotique, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And yeah. Tab, joy in comparison mm -hmm. with all of the designers, for people listening, your 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 design gallery hosts uh, a collection of of different uh, designers. Mm -hmm. Uh, and before we get into the details and compare to the rest of the market, your designers, are they all Lebanese educated are they, or outside? Do, do even do they teach? Do you teach? How does that go? How does the process go from after a designer becomes a designer and how do they pass that baton on? Oh, the process. That's such a long uh, conversation <laughs> we're going to have. No, but Phase two then? Yeah, exactly. But let me answer more or less gradually to uh, your question that has so many layers. I <laughs> <laughs> I would start with the education. Are they all educated? Yes, they are. There is not, in my case, at the gallery, there is not one of them that is a self-taught uh, designer. Are they all design, design educated? No, but they're all, no. Some of them are design educated, some others are not. When they're not design educated, they are usually architects or interior architects, as just was saying. There is not, a, I would say, journalist that became a designer. Mm -hmm. That doesn't yeah. exist at the gallery. There is always a link with aesthetics and functionality, as she was saying, and product, always. So they all went through basic design and exactly. had... So, uh, exactly. <laughs> and they either went through a master's of specialization in design or they kind of, some of them did uh, a, a full design uh, specialty through their studies, uh, some others... Okay, so that was the first answer to your question. The second one, do they teach? 
Some of them do. Some of them they did and don't anymore. And do I teach? I taught and I don't anymore. So to summarize, <laughs> why? Well, this is very linked to your earlier question. The design scene, as you know it today, I would say roughly is a seven-year-old design scene, okay. roughly speaking. Um, this makes the design scene very young, very, very young. So some of the designers that are the most established today that are just our age are references to designers that are graduating today from university. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could name a few. Some others are more advanced in age. I would say Mark Baroud is in his 40s, Shaya is in his 40s, but David and Nicola are in their, I'm not even sure they're 30, maybe 30s, let's say. And these are, to name three different names that are in common between the House of Today and, uh, and uh, the gallery, are three names that are references to the, to, to the students that are graduating today. So basically, the scene is very young. As we know it today, as a craft and production scene, it's been around for yeah. centuries, honestly. But as we know it today, it's a very young scene, so. The design scene is young, yes, is fresh, yes, but I don't agree with the fact that it's, it has been mm -hmm. there for some time. And um, we are actually doing in December a lecture uh, and a showcase of the work of Khalil Khouri. Khalil Khouri being the father of Bernard Khouri. Uh, he was one of the pioneers in um, design uh, through Inter Design. Uh, he used to have this um, uh, factory of, uh, of uh, furniture back in the 50s. Um, and also, okay, we have uh, another generation of, uh, of designer like uh, Nada Debus, Karim Shaya, you mentioned him. Uh, that have paved the way. Yeah. But it's true, like Joy said, the, the, the light and the spotlight is on, today, yeah, is on today's uh, design scene. Yeah. As we know, we do, we do have, as she was mentioning, mentioning, names that are, I mean, uh, monsters to us in terms of the, 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 what they bring to, our, our, uh, to us and to uh, the students that are coming out of university now and to the scene itself. They're pioneers. They were here before we even, uh, uh, we even started. But as we know it today in terms of institutions that are defending design, in terms of actors, in terms of money raised and spent on design, in terms of the market as we know it today, it's not, it's not even seven years old, but let's put it seven years old. I mean, it's a very young market. When you talk about the market, in, whether it's art or design, seven years old is nothing. Nothing happens in seven years. We need to look 50 to 60 yeah. years to have a real opinion on what is going on today and, and be able to take a step back and look and say, okay, this guy stood out, this other guy or girl stood out. It, we are too too early in the process of the, the, of the market uh, being... Uh, so, so for you guys, we're talking about seven years. You started off in 2012, right? And that's of also almost six years now. So that is part of the, the kind of the boom that's happening and the development that's going on. But kind of unlike, uh, unlike Joey's gallery that's, that's based here, you guys, because it's growth and education, you have to interact with a lot of people, you have more of a, um, a, a quicker uh, link or comparison to, to other, uh, other places because you do and you do compete with students and spots and places. Do you think the market plays a, a, a different uh, 
interaction for you? Is there a is there a need or or a, or a recent lust towards design that's coming from Lebanon? Is it the trendy thing? From you mean outside of Lebanon yes, like or with with Saudi, with Emirates, with people buying online, with Europe? We I, Lebanese expats are everywhere, and they are mostly in the Gulf. So definitely, there is interest from the Gulf to our, in our market and. Uh, and internationally as well, not only regionally. Um, one of the reasons we do our Biennale in December, and we don't want to change dates, is because December is the m month where all Lebanese expats are in Lebanon. Okay. So definitely uh, the Gulf market, the global market is important to us and our, uh, uh, our key players in our uh, in our organization. And has the Lebanese diaspora affected the non-Lebanese in, in, in the countries they're living in? So somebody living in the Gulf or in Europe, have, you think, have, have they introduced non-Lebanese to buy? Do, do you know, have any numbers of, of interest coming in? We definitely have, uh, 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 whether Gulf uh, nationals uh, or uh, for, uh, Western uh, clients, customers, um, some of them were introduced by Lebanese, correct, you're right. Some of them were not, and they have seen our work and the work of our designers, whether through fairs, uh, Design Days Dubai or Design Miami, or uh, through print and uh, press. Uh, and I think that our reputation precedes us. Uh, Lebanese talent and, um, uh, and uh, aesthetics have good reputation, and it influences buyers. And uh, for Joy, you, you went to all these international, you've gone to international fairs where you've presented either the art or the design and then continued with the design. Do you have, how is the market for you? Is it, are you dependent more on the Lebanese? Is it stretching out? Is it growing? Um, I would say that over the last uh, seven years in this field, we have... Um, uh, witnessed a bit of an evolution of uh, the audience. So at first it all started very Lebanese Lebanese mm -hmm. because of the fact that we were so young and I wouldn't say nobody knew about us but kind of basically and the fact that we stepped foot in in the fairs opened up different horizons for us in terms of audience and buyers. So basically to summarize uh, I, I went to Basel, Miami and design and, and uh, Dubai sorry. So these are three different um, um, markets so European, uh, um, American and Mi Middle Eastern in the Gulf sense in the Gulf sense. So and this gave me the opportunity to grow my database of clients and people that know of us and about us. Mm -hmm. And so basically uh, now if I if basically, for instance, let me give you an example. In September, we have a huge uh, uh, event happening in Paris. We are collaborating with Galerie Ben Simon around uh, a collaborative, uh, yeah, a group exhibition of the permanent collection of the gallery objects that are being exported to Paris in Galerie Ben Simon during the week, uh, the Design Week of Paris, Paris Design Week, in parallel to the Maison et Objet uh, um, uh, fair. Okay, so basically what happened is that when uh, Galerie Ben Simon contacted us and asked us, okay, do you want to be the invited gallery at, in our structure for the week of design in Paris? I'm like, yes, sure. And then I was thinking, okay, now I need to think of who would be my client to, to, uh, to contact other than my friends that are living there. And, uh, and basically I looked at our database. I'm like, aha, uh -huh. 
we do have a database <laughs> in Europe. I'm not saying that I didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. Of course I did. But uh, you don't, every time you do an event, you don't realize, yes, exactly. So basically, every time you do an event, you contact the, data, the, the audience, the relevant people, the audience that's relevant to your event. And because we're in Beirut, and I'm mainly in Beirut most of the year, my database, inter my international database is not the one that I sent everything to every month. So I've realized that I have quite a big database in Europe. So in terms of history of the gallery, I've sold a lot to Europeans, to Dubai-based people, mainly in Dubai, mainly Lebanese diaspora, a few locals and a few internationals, but mainly Lebanese diaspora. In, in Europe, when I was in Basel, the two editions that I did in Basel, I sold only to Europeans. And when you do the selection for a fair, you do the selection thinking of the audience that's going to be of there. Course. And the more you go, the better you know your audience. Yeah. So, yeah, so in terms of uh, buyers, they're international, but the fact that we are in Beirut most of the year, they are mostly Lebanese. And this is great at the end of the day. I mean, uh, this is how it works. When, we, when House of Today entered the American market through Design Miami, Design Curio, this is really where we got uh, foreign buyers, a lot right. of Americans and South Americans. And then going back to Lebanon, with, uh, with we, I know we have Design Week here, and there's a design fair that happens uh, end of the year, and they're still new and still really kind of <laughs> pushing forward. But... The people activate working there, I, I know there are a lot of these designers working by themselves and they work through you, um, but, but Joy, since you have a gallery, are there a lot of galleries in Lebanon? Are there more studios? How, what's, the, what's the architecture here? Okay, so basically, uh, very simply put, in terms of galleries, as we know, uh, the, the structure of a gallery, mm -hmm. uh, typically thought, we are two galleries that work as galleries here. We have Carwan Gallery and myself, Joy Martini Design Gallery. Uh, but the difference are, is, from what I know, is Karwan sells international and, and local, yeah, so while you sell Lebanese. They do. Okay, so one of the main differences is the fact that they focus on international designers that they bring in and they exhibit and sell. And they did some collaboration with Lebanese designers. And my specificity is that I do 95% uh, Lebanese designers all year long. These are the two main uh, galleries. There aren't any, and I and now that I think, I'm thinking regionally speaking, I don't think there are many others, mm -hmm. but that's another subject. Uh, in terms of studios, you do have a lot of designer studios, specifically now, lately, because basically, as we were saying, uh, this, this is the new generation of designers that came out of university, that have a big of experience, they need to settle somewhere in order to be able to work and to sell themselves and everything. So you do have a few designer studios. Where are they located? Mainly in Beirut, to answer your question. So just for the audiences, and a studio is when a designer opens a, sh a shop by themselves? No, not a shop. A studio is not, a, is not specifically a shop. A studio is a place where it's your think tank as, your de as a designer. This is where your computer is. This is where your colleagues work together. Like, just like here, I mean, like an office, like an office exactly. Office. You can sell objects from your studio, which is called your studio line, which is different from a gallery line or anything you do for an institution. Your studio line is what you sell from your studio as yourself. You don't need to be a shop. You can be an office with three objects in your office, and this is your studio line. But then if, if you have a studio and you open a, you get a front store uh, window and sell things, yeah. does that become a gallery or is no, it still no, a studio? No, 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 it's a studio with a front, uh, with, a, with a vitrine, with a... So then a lot of the, this is interesting because then a lot of the, the, the small design little pop-ups you see everywhere in the little streets are actually uh, studios where they kind of function, and that's the difference shops. between a gallery. Shops, exactly. So shop is sorry, Jesse. Shop is very different 
from gallery, from studio, and there's a third element, which is when you're somewhere in between a shop and a studio. Okay. And uh, you have two or three in town that have this, uh, I would say, hybrid identity, which works really well, for instance, from Karen, for Karen Shekerjan. She has her, her, gal her gallery, which is her studio line, her own studio line, displayed in her gallery in uh, the Port District, Marfa District yeah. in Beirut. And in her case, she has a hybrid identity, but it's her, her identity is this hybrid identity, and it works really well for her because she's kind of one of a kind in a, in a, on the market. And with that said, um, uh, the listeners can, can check out all of the shows that Joe Mardini has on joymardinidesigngallery.com for the current shows and the future shows and, and links from the past, as well as um, houseoftoday.com, where you can get links of their information for education, as well as their um, past shows, current shows, and, and, and work on, and presumably the link to the wallpaper and, and everything else. Thank you very much, guys, for coming on. It was an interesting conversation. Thank you, Wael. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Wael. Thank you, Jess. And as usual, thank you for listening. Remember to listen, subscribe, download on iTunes, Google Play, S Stitcher. SoundCloud. Oh, God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and SoundCloud. Uh, we, we love to hear your comments. Goodbye.